Shot you, Shachle, a smile I'm sure She Robert the Karslach Mish, I'm Bob Carswell, and I'd like to welcome you to Shachle. Darl Yor, by the book. In this edition of Shachle, Peel librarian Gemma Quilliam tells us about the services, much more than books, available at the Ward Public Library in Peel, celebrating the anniversary of its opening this week. As in Bible Kazirik Heen and the Holy Bible itself, central to the life of Canon John Quine, but he was also an author and is now the subject of a book, a biography by Julie Quine. Als Pötne Hinge, Golschis Fai Kerne Vergi, Gustred Na Krunje, to Stred Enmesich, Stred the Hastjol, Suling Shaw, Achrishimidi Blinton, Shain Stred Wur, Vad Greirish. Bonus eg bundestrege, ten ball wa luchtai berge kutterau. For John Ward, erwein a haidur se chesha chagi for Arthur Wellesley, hanked away in Duke Wellington, chouds va kaga alie alienon, shendere a kaga se lie alien Iberia, and spaners in Portugal. Deg John Ward and chesha chagi, as unsinage gularash as a chan tieg uns prudder, a brun the hound ye tine, henke cas pert ni hinja. Scasolache erin o de ginnache pensionegger conache tullu per ping un shaw, ne vechregetn un sarsen. Un shaw and John Ward pusser ben vaninach, un inner kyolia, ne kyuli, as master ne quake perginoch, von trasvac, rugged sirlane hoch he jeg as nijeg, en message, James Cooley Ward. An ex-soldier, John Ward, was a shoemaker living in a house at the foot of what is now Castle Street in Peel. He was also a constable. After rioting in Peel over the export of grain in 1821, at a time when the island itself was suffering a food shortage, his windows were smashed and he obviously felt he was in general danger, so he moved with his family to Douglas. Their third son, James Cooley Ward, emigrated to the United States of America in 1842 and went into the lumber business, later moving northward into Canada. He prospered greatly, becoming mayor of his community and later a member of the Canadian legislature. However, James Cooley Ward never forgot the island, and he used his great wealth to support many charities in the island with generous annual donations. His mark, though, can also be seen in Peel in particular. If you start at the marketplace, you can see the clock that was presented to Peel by him in 1872. The tower was built by public subscription to house it. Going from the marketplace there down Castle Street, almost at the bottom on the right, was the house where James Cooley Ward was born in 1819, and he particularly asked for that to be the site used for the building of a public library. It was to be built and furnished and supplied with books at his expense. The foundation stone of what was to be the Ward Public Library was laid on the 6th of September 1906. It would have been laid on the 5th of September to celebrate J.K. Ward's birthday, but that was the Sabbath that year, so the ceremony had to be put off till the following day. The following year, the Ward Public Library was opened in a ceremony on the 26th of September 1907. The library is still there, and librarian Gemma Quilliam told me about the range of services on offer today. (music) 
most of the changes have happened in the last couple of decades, really, with the emergence of new technologies. Obviously, we can offer Wi-Fi in here. We offer our users um, iPads, Kindles, all of the, the technology that's changed quite rapidly in the last sort of 20-odd years, I suppose. Who is able to use the library? It's for absolutely everybody. Um, when it opened back in 1907, just as I've looked back through the history of the place, the building was specifically chosen to attract a certain class of person, which is probably quite reflective of the times back then. Um, however, now it's very much um, available for absolutely everybody. Anybody that wants to come through our doors is made to feel welcome. If you want to borrow any of our resources, you have to sign up, but that's now completely free for everybody. Um, you can just walk in off the street. You, you can still use our computers. You can log on to our Wi-Fi. You can come in and read inside the library and read our newspapers without having to sign up as a member, which I think people possibly aren't aware of. But that's the same um, for libraries pretty much across the board, really. You can just wander in. There's spaces for everybody. You mentioned some of the resources then, but obviously books still form a large part of the service that you provide. Yeah, books are still our core business. Um, we are now able to offer things like DVDs. So a few years ago when Films in Peel started, um, they very kindly donated their excess stock onto us to loan out. That's something that's really grown in popularity. Um, obviously now lots of people have access to online streaming but also lots of people don't and now um, we don't have video stores anymore that you can go in and, and rent films so we found that's really popular here we offer audio cds which again is a really popular um, section and kindles uh, people can borrow books they, they have to come in and use one of our devices um, so yeah we're, we're sort of diversifying we have a magazine exchange here as well which is, has proved to be really popular and in the last sort of probably four years, we've introduced jigsaws to the library, which is something that's really taken off. I'm quite surprised at the popularity of, of the jigsaws. So we, we struggle to find space for them now um, amongst the bookshelves, but it's something that people want. And libraries absolutely have to stay relevant and have to give people what they want to borrow. So we're open to ideas if people have got any suggestions of things that they would like to see. We are very much open to to hear what people want from their own library. We're in the Sophia Morrison room at the rear of the building, and here there is a wonderful section with lots of Manx books going back from many years. This extension was built with um, funds from the Carnegie Trust, I believe, specifically to house a piece of furniture right behind you, which is the Sophia Morrison cabinet. It was built by Kurt Michael Joyner's, the Kelly Brothers, specifically to house our Manx collection. Um, it's very much our treasured piece in the library. It's just a beautiful piece of craftsmanship. And it's where we store all of the irreplaceable Manx resources. So we do keep a lot of the books in the cabinet locked away just to preserve them um, for future generations. But we do also have a Manx selection that people can come in and borrow and they can take home. So we try to make sure the information is as as accessible as possible. But it's a room, in fact, which straddles all those years because as well as the Sophia Morrison cabinet, there's also computers which people are able to access. Yep, it's a real blend um, in here, sort of old and new. We do have quite an old-fashioned feel in this library particularly. Um, we still have lots of the woodwork around, so it feels quite nostalgic, and that's something that people comment on an awful lot when they come in. It's, it feels sort of a little bit oldy-worldy, but we like to think we have got the resources now to keep up to date and to keep relevant. So, yep, we've tried to kind of marry the two styles together.
It's certainly an iconic building with its lettering on the front and the way it's ornamented. And you've successfully fought off a suggestion that you might move to the town hall. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's been completely scrapped, the idea. However, the, the feedback from all of our members was unanimously that they are very much attached to this beautiful building. They like the fact that it was a bespoke library. Um, and yep, the, the building itself really does lend itself. It's beautiful. Like I say, it's got that, that look and that feel to it. Um, so yep, our, our members have certainly made their opinions very clear. I'd just really like to stress that the library is free for everybody. It's your space. Um, you don't have to be a resident of Peel to come in and use it. Everybody's made to feel welcome. Um, probably one of the biggest changes in the last 113 years is now it's a much more family-centered space. Um, previously, I think it was the 1960s when the children's section opened, um, but yeah, we very much encourage children. We love to see the kids coming in, picking up books. So that's definitely one of the biggest changes. And it's something we feel quite strongly about is making sure, you know, people, whether they live in Peel or whether they live outside, can come in. The children can access all of our books for their topics at school. They can come and read for pleasure. Um, I just like to encourage people to come and support their local libraries. Jim McWilliam, the librarian in the Ward Public Library in Peel just coming up to the 113th anniversary of its opening on the 26th of September 1907, and continuing to provide much appreciated services to the community in its beautiful and iconic building in Castle Street. But John Quine, rugged civilian hachi jeg, shach jeg has died. Henke de ve na hagert, na erinsi, na skolier. Nochter. Hier was College Rielium, gus College Merton and Nolus School Oxford, as we genu studeris gen vadach. Ach, rene studeris nis, er a gregish, zeraladgen, commas er geolis. Hure came or meinschen the Hellenen as Henke de Vena Hagert, sevlein hachi jeg, kerfidus nan. Ve inchen gear eg John Quine, ve govrge de bu, as me saw Halias ve clash and ridder be. Ve Erlulish Freget Day, as Nakirten Gerau Neve de Grey, Rovin Noder. Ach, wenn es du der Gemai is Goachtel, der Ausleid Jörkel Rischen, Goller, Wuschenol Skoll, der Havrige, den Taitash de Goldach ans Lunning, na die Hirte Gulina Ödigs in Aglish Hasen. Ach, wa grei Gien, eg John Quine er Elian Vanning, as ma so rene rei de geil ullien de keen shen, wa gien de wei fauslit de on sarsen, as de hit de valia. The Reverend John Quine is perhaps best known for his novel, The Captain of the Parish, which demonstrates his interest in the island, its people and his way of life. He was also an enthusiastic member and four times president of the Isle of Man Natural History and Antiquarian Society. Here in Chachle in 2016, we heard from author Julie Quine about her book, Manx Brothers in Arms, about three sons of John Quine, which gave us fascinating glimpses of their family life and of their father. That book followed on from Julie Quine's 2013 book, Odyssey of a Marine Engineer, which had focused particularly on one of those three sons, John Lindsay Quine. In the meantime, she's also published manuscripts of work by John Quine himself. She's now brought out a biography of John Quine, and it's called Manx Patriot, The Life of Canon John Quine, Antiquarian, Author, and 
captain of his parish. In a way, this is the last piece of the jigsaw. Let's go back to the beginning then. How did the project start? After my husband's mother died, we were left with a lot of historical material, which I sorted through and didn't understand most of it, but persevered. Uh, Actually, I was just trying to sift it out to throw as much away as possible, but in doing so, I found some interesting manuscripts, which... I converted into e-books and now it's a physical book, Odyssey of Marine Engineer, which compiled the stories of what was my husband's grandfather and his time in the Royal Navy during well, Merchant Navy, Navy and Royal Navy during World War One. But from that I discovered other manuscripts written by Canon John Quine. I didn't really know a lot about him, but In looking at the manuscripts, I found there was a very interesting personality came through from the stories that he'd written, and I realised that some of the stories weren't actually published. I think many people know Canon John Quine as a novelist. The Captain of the Parish is the only book that was actually published, and it was known as one of the best novels of the time. T. Brown was very enthusiastic about Captain of the Parish. T. Brown was amazingly one of John's greatest fans. And T. Brown had a lot to say about John, certainly in his letters to various people. John had a number of friends, and T. Brown was amongst them. And their friendship really only probably lasted for about five years. But in that time... They really got to know one another and really respected each other and were both on the same page with a lot of things. They were both great fans of the um, Isle of Man Natural History and Antiquarian Society, both members. And T. Brown was desperate for John to go further with his historical studies. Originally, when Canon John Quine was headmaster at the Douglas Grammar School. He was there for nine years as headmaster. T. Brown tried to get John to actually leave teaching. He influenced him in that respect. And he was desperate for for John to get a living at Mackled. And he tried his very best to achieve this. He wrote to A.W. Moore. He wrote to the Lieutenant Governor... And he really did. He was desperate for John to actually get the job so that he could devote more time to his historical interests and his writing. He thought he would become a great man if he carried on writing, but obviously that was not to be. He didn't manage to achieve what he wanted, and of course T. Brown died in the same year that The Captain of the Parish was published. Mm. And so he never actually managed to help John any further in that respect. But a lot of other people had great ideas for John. They really did. I think one of the most interesting friendships that I discovered was with Archibald Knox. Because 
I'd heard that Archibald Knox was a great friend, but somehow I didn't really believe it. And it's only through lots of research I found that Archibald Knox actually went on a trip to Ireland with John in 1895 to look at some ancient abbeys because they felt that they might be similar in architecture, style, building material to the buildings on the island, the ancient buildings, because John was absolutely enamoured with historical buildings. In fact, T. E. Brown's affectionate chaff for John's concern for the, the buildings, such as the ones on St. Patrick's Isle in Peel, was, this strong, fierce man has become rapturously enamoured of a historical 1,100-year-old Manx princess. It's interesting that he would refer to him as a strong, fierce man. That certainly tells us something about John Quine, the character. Yes, John was rather an enigma when it came to his character. He came across as quite a gentle character with his family and so on, but when it came to his friendships... The people that got on best with him, such as T. Brown, A.W. Moore, Archibald Knox, they were all on the same page, and John responded to that. But there were a lot of people that John didn't get on with. I don't really see that he got on very well with any bishop. He was such a strong character that I think he felt he was as good as they were, but somehow they didn't accept that. They were always better than he was. He was a, a strong Manx nationalist, according to E.H. Stenning, who was a later principal of King William's College. He conjectured that had the young enthusiast joined the staff of the British Museum or devoted himself to research, then the Isle of Man would have been worse off and the world at large would have been richer because he was so into historical research and the island. His patriotism for the island was so great and I think that's why he returned when he came back from Oxford. He was a student at Oxford um, and he made so many friendships there. And he had such a good time there that he came away from that experience feeling a sort of certain sense of superiority. And I think that was the mistake. When he came back, he expected everybody else of that same educated level to be on the same page and to talk to him person to person. But he discovered that wasn't the case at all. The bishops were well above him in status and he had wrangles with them all. He helped them incredibly. He did everything he could in his power to researching the church and so on. I think if you'd have asked me in the first place what John was really like and whether he was religious, I would have said, I don't really know. Mm. But now, after reading articles here, there and everywhere... Yes, he was. He was a very religious gentleman. And he was definitely the prayer book. He agreed with everything on that level. I'm not particularly a person to talk to about religion, but he 
He really did try, and his parishioners were everything to him. When he left his post at the Douglas Grammar School, he didn't get the living at Mackled. He was given one of the poorest livings on the island, in Lonnan, at All Saints. And his experience of that church was it was run down, it needed work. He couldn't afford to do it. And he, he wasn't given the finances to do anything. So that had materialised little by little. But he really wants to help his parishioners, particularly the poorer people of London and Laxey. He was a member of the London Board of Guardians. And one Christmas, it was actually 1927, and there'd been a lot of problems in Laxey unemployment and so on and John had helped a gentleman in, in America to find some family history and he was so grateful he sent John five pounds which was actually quite a lot of money in, that, in those days and John was not well off himself he could have kept the money but he didn't he actually bought 44 bags of coal and had them delivered to 44 needy households in the parish. Of course, this was acknowledged in local newspapers. And on finding that John had used the money so generously, the gentleman sent him further Christmas greetings in 1929 and in 1931, which again he used to buy food parcels and coal for the poor. So he was... He was very much into that side of things, but he had so many facets to to his character, to his work. He was a member of just about every board and society, London, Laxey and Douglas, from scouts to education, hospital, and he was an ardent promoter of having an insular museum on the island. Being a member of the Natural History and Antiquarian Society, he was desperate to have all the artefacts that had been gathered up from around the island over the years kept in one safe place where they could be cared for. And he actually suggested the old hospital building on Crellins Hill oh, as a possibility. And he said if the people were approached, he was sure that something might come of that. And, of course, in 1922, when the new Manx Museum opened there, he became a representative trustee for the Isle of Man Natural History and Antiquarian Society, which he was for the remainder of his life. On the historical side, his expertise seemed greater, but I think that was because his endeavours in the church were never really appreciated mm. as much as they could have been. It was really quite sad in... H. Stunning obviously knew John well and he witnessed John's spirit becoming more embittered over the years by the various episcopal pinpricks and so on. He said that John refused to bow to any wind that blew and it made him seem very much against the government, which Stunning said was very much unlike his true character. So yes, an enigma. That's what John Quine was. Mm.
And people will be able to find out more about the Enigma in your book now. So where would they be able to get hold of copies of that? At the moment, it is available from Amazon, both in paperback and ebook form. And in due course, the Manx Museum, if any booksellers wish to stock the book, then be able to get in touch. John's Christmas message in 1935 was, Have no grievance and nurse no resentment for their self-entanglements. Happiness and strength come only from the happiness one has given to others. And uh, I hope that the book will enlighten people further regarding his character. Julie Quine, whose latest book, Banks Patriot, The Life of Canon John Quine, antiquarian, author and captain of his parish, has just been published. That's all from Shachle this time. We'll be back next Thursday at six, but now from me, Bob Carswell, Achnish Vompin, Robert de Karslach, Sledenew.